You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, I do want to welcome those of you guys that are Overland Park campus. Maybe you're in the venue right now. Welcome or in the auditorium. To those that are over Olathe campus at Prairie Creek Elementary. Guys, I'm still excited about what God's doing in you and through you. Welcome. And if you're joining us online, uh, as far away as like New York or Nicaragua, welcome to you as well. We're going to be uh, in our Bibles in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And if you want to open your Bibles or Bible apps to there. Uh, as always, we have our message notes online as well, but our ushers have Bibles in all of our locations. If you want to borrow one or keep it, just raise your hand. So I was uh, meeting with our grace group, I think it was last week, and uh, one of the guys in our grace group, we've been together about a year and a half, he made this comment. He said, you know, I have actually, I have actually a bunch of friends who go to grace also, and they're good friends, but what I have and what we have as a grace group is different. It's better. It's deeper. It's just different what they have. And my friends who go to grace that don't have this don't know what they're missing. They don't know they're missing out. And all of us agreed with this, by the way, because here's the thing. We made this commitment. This really, it's really inconvenient. Every week it interrupts my schedule. Every single week my grace group is right there, inconvenient, interrupting me. And here's the deal. Our marriages are better because of this commitment. Our kids see Christian community because of this commitment. Um, our relationship with Christ is better because of this commitment. We've grown in ways we never would have grown without this. And so I was reminded of a quote, by the way, I heard years ago, and you can write this down if you want. Here's the quote. Ministry rides on the rails of relationships. Ministry rides on the rails of relationships. In this image, ministry is the train. God moving you forward is the train. But the rails are healthy relationships. If there's no, there's no ministry, there's no progress in life without actual healthy relationships. That's what a grace group has discovered the last year and a half. Like we've actually been committed to build the rails of relationships and the train of God has been moving us forward. And that happened with Jesus. He handpicked, he personally invited, you couldn't just volunteer. He invited 12 guys to join his grace group, his small group. And they built the rails of relationships. And the train of God moved them forward based on those relationships. In fact, do you realize there's a large portion of the Bible you cannot even apply? It is impossible to apply a large part of what God has for you without having actual relationships in the church beyond your household. That you only get if you have a grace group and you have a ministry team you serve with. And so we're actually, we're in a series right now. Our series is uh, called The Pioneer Spirit. We've been talking about this risk-taking attitude we all need. It is risky to make disciples. That's what Matthew 28 says. It's the Great Commission. We're about helping everyone become an outward-focused follower of Jesus. And so last week, Josh Shonick is a church planter. We had him back from San Diego. He ended with this verse that I want to unpack further this week. If you look in verse 10, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 10, he, he read about why Jesus died for us. Not just heaven, not just forgiveness of sins, but living together with him. 
He says, Jesus was the one who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alive or we're dead, we, the church, should live together. Oh, that's good news. Church should live together with him. Okay, there's a reality of your relationship with Jesus that you'll never get without living in community. We living together with him. And so uh, that's our topic today. Our topic today is building healthy relationships. We're going to see four relationships that are built in the church. And you miss out on encountering Jesus without these four healthy rails, four healthy relationships. I'll ask you the question. Do you have healthy relationships? Are you a person who's fighting for healthy relationships? Ministry rides on those rails. No healthy relationships, no progress. And so let's go ahead and pray, and we'll dive in. Father, thank you for the chance to worship you, honor you, glorify you. Thank you for the privilege of having you die for us and accept us, having our sins forgiving, having purpose, having design, and being used by you in this world. Thank you for relationships you designed to change us. May help all of us to think through these four sets of relationships we develop in the church. And God, how they transform and change us when they're healthy. We pray for people far from God, people exploring faith. They don't have a church. That's awesome. May they realize these principles work in their relationships anywhere. May you prompt people to receive Jesus as Savior. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right. Today we're going to walk through 11 verses, verse 12 to 22. We're going to have four individual, separate, important relationships. I don't want to freak you out, but I count, I don't want to freak you out, but I counted up the commandments. 17 commandments we're about to look at. Don't freak out. 17, 17 commandments. Here's what I want you to do. Just listen. Because it's not about 17 commandments. It's about that one thought or that, those two thoughts that God has for you. Listen for that divine moment where you're like, yeah, that's, that's why I'm listening to this. That's the moment. And I would say, if you don't have a church family, if you're just visiting, you don't have a church, uh, we're excited you're here. Like I said, these, these things work for you in all areas of our life. And so we're going to begin with this first relationship, if you're taking notes. How do we live together with Jesus as a church? We build this first set of relationships, our relationships with leaders in the church. Our relationship with leaders in the church Remember, ministry runs on the rails of relationships. How are your relationships with leaders in our church? And so here you see three responsibilities we have to, like the 300, I'm talking about the 300 men and women. We have 300 men and women who lead at different levels at Grace. And you only have relationships with a few of them, a cluster of those. How are those relationships? Most likely, it says verse 12 and 13, two, three responsibilities we have. Verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize, because there's one responsibility we have toward our leaders spiritually, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Okay, so there we see the three responsibilities of a Christian leader, the 300 men and women that lead at grace, that serve you. They do three things. They labor among you. Which means they don't point and say, you ought to do that. They're shoulder to shoulder laboring with you. And they are over you in the Lord. 
That over you phrase is translated lead. In Romans 12, 8, the spiritual gift of leadership, they lead you in the Lord. They're headed somewhere and they admonish you. Christian leaders have the courageous conversation and, and warn you. They bring the elephant in the room. So what should we do for our 300 Christian, 300 Christian leaders here at Grace, at least the leaders you have a relationship with? Recognize them. First responsibility, we've got to recognize them. We've got to know them. We've got to watch them. Are you a person who recognizes, acknowledges, knows those leaders who work tirelessly to serve you? Two more responsibilities, verse 13. And to esteem, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Yeah, we also got to do that, which we have to hold our leadership in high, these imperfect men and women in high esteem. And they sense the high esteem we have, the respect. They sense the love we have and the appreciation for their work's sake. And third thing we do for our leaders, it's a real gift. Be at peace. Among yourselves. That's an awesome gift to a leader. Why is that? Because when a team is divided, there is no progress. All progress is fake when the team is divided. The rails are out. The train of God is going nowhere. And so when you allow division to fester like a cancer, you shut down the progress. So we work tirelessly to make sure no cancerous division is on our teams. We have the courageous conversations. We forgive people. We figure out what God is doing. We move forward. That leads to this thought. Here's the first thing we do to see Jesus among us. Number one, it's about valuing all who lead in our church. Valuing all who lead in our church. Do you value all the women and men who lead in our church? who sacrifice for you, help lead you. We have like 300 men and women who lead here at Grace, Grace Group leaders, usher captains, deacons who minister to hurting people, mission trip leaders, Grace kids leaders, Grace students leaders, Grace source special needs, you name it. So my role is to help you recognize the leaders, like the actual command. So how do I do that with 300 people? So I posted their names and cell phones on my blog. You can call them anytime, day or night, by the way. They love three in the morning calls. I just had 300 men and women quit. <laughs> no, that's not what I did. But I want to introduce you to one representative person, and I can't remember the last time I've even recognized this person's role. But this is Brian Gann, our executive pastor. You ought to recognize his sacrifices. You have no idea how he has sacrificed for years for you. And no one knows what he does. Executive pastor. He works tirelessly. Works harder than anybody in the church. Brian, Michelle, family have been a part of Grace in the very beginning. He's held every leadership role at Grace as we've grown, except for two, senior pastor and worship leader. Praise God, dude can't sing. But he does. He does labor behind the scenes. Here's the crazy, he does, he does so much for you and doesn't need the credit. It's shocking. Uh, Justin Raby he has these new church planters talking to him about you know, what does Tim do? How does he do that? And here's what Justin Raby told me a couple weeks ago, what he tells these guys. He says, you know, you don't understand. Without Brian Gann, there is no Tim Howie. Unless Brian Gann sacrificed so much over the years, Tim is not doing what he's doing. There is no Tim Howie without this tireless effort of a Brian Gann. And I'm bringing that up just to, not just, just to celebrate him. He represents 300 men and women who labor, and we are called, is this the point God's bringing up in your heart? 
Are you recognizing your leaders who work to serve you? Are you esteeming your leaders very highly in love for their work's sake? Are you not allowing disunity to fester like a cancer? That may be the reason God brought you here or have you online right now. Here's the second set of relationships we need, by the way. Our relationships with people in the church. Our ministry runs on the rails of real life relationships. How are your relationships with people in our church? And this gets to, you can't even apply these next verses without having a grace group or a ministry team. You can't. If you're a person who comes in, listens, leaves, logs in, listens, leaves, you can't even apply. It's impossible to apply these things because you need actual relationships. Your grace group, your ministry teams are laboratories. They're a laboratory of life where you learn how to live with Christ. And there's four types of people you meet in your grace group, your ministry team. And boy, they can drive you crazy. And here's what God says to do. All right. He says this in verse 14. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. You're going to meet the unruly in your grace group. Meet the unruly in your ministry team. Who are the unruly? Their life is not ruled or led by God's spirit or God's word. There's some area of their life. They're being a bit unruly, out, like not being led by God. How do you warn? the? We're supposed to, have, have you warned? When's the last time you warned the unruly? What's that look like? Hey, dude, can we talk a second? I, I may be off base on this, seriously. But I, I observed this fact and this fact, and I had lots of stories in my head about this. But if, if I'm reading it right, do you realize that that's, that's actually not what God wants? Warn the unruly. What do you do with the faint-hearted? You're going to meet the faint-hearted in your grace group, your ministry team. Comfort the faint-hearted. Who are the faint-hearted? They don't have the want to like you do. They don't have the heart, the courage, the want to. So what do you do? You comfort them. Hey, let me tell you something. I know it's hard. And I know you really, when I mean, you do want to, but I believe in you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have these gifts. You can do this. You com- When's the last time you comforted the faint-hearted? There's people with weaknesses all around us. I've got so many, I can't count them. What should you do with me? Support or uphold the weak. You meet them in your grace group. These are people who don't have the strength. It's like somebody twists an ankle, twists a knee. What happens? Two people get behind, beside them, and they carry them because they can't walk. They have a weakness. You, when's the last time you carried somebody in their weakness? What's that look like? Somebody's struggling coming to church, like worshiping. Hey, I, I, oh, I'm so busy. Life happens. Alarms, yada, yada. I had to wash my hair. Hey, dude, can I come? I'll pick you up. Not a problem. Let me just, I'll just swing by. Let's just sit together. I just don't like sitting by myself. I'll swing by. Let's sit together. I will pick you up. I'll drop you off. Let's just do that. Uphold the weak. Ah, I don't, I know you don't want to do that conversation. That's a hard one. You want to role play that? I'd be happy to help you. Uphold the weak. I know you're scared going to a ministry. I kind of get scared too. Let's just go try it out together. Let's just try it out together. We'll be together in this thing. Uphold the weak. And then with all this warning and comforting and upholding, man, you need patience. And honestly, people need to be patient with you. Seriously. Be patient with all. We all need the patience of Christ. God bless our hearts. Then he says two things. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. 
When you get hurt, when someone either accidentally or purposely sticks it to you, we never stick it back to them. Like we never say, oh, I want them to hurt like me. They're going to feel it. You can't do that to me. See that no one does that. That's not Christ. But instead, what do we do? Verse 15. Always pursue what is good. Both for yourselves and what's the win for everybody. Here's this larger principle you put in your notes. Number two, how do we experience Christ together? We are, number two, committed to relationships in our church. We are committed to relationships in our church. Are you committed to relationships in our church? It's an inconvenient commitment that I have as well. Okay, so this is a knickknack. This, my friends, is a knickknack. So what is a knickknack? A knickknack, we all got them in our house. They are often somewhat attractive. They might have sentimental value. A knickknack doesn't do anything. It sits in your house. It takes up space. It collects dust. Are you a church knickknack? Oh my goodness, you're a knickknack. Because you come to grace and you take up a seat. God bless you at 9.30 and... You collect dust and don't do anything. Could you be a church knickknack? Turn to your neighbor in all of our locations. And right now, just asking the question, are you a church knickknack? Nice and loud. Oh, God bless you. There are knickknacks everywhere. I'm not looking at any individual, but I see you knickknacks. Turn to your neighbor right now and dust them off. You need to dust knickknacks. Dust their shoulders everywhere you are. God bless you. Here's the thing. We're not trying to be angry with you or upset with you. But dude, you're missing out. You can't even apply part of the Bible being a knickknack. You cannot live for Christ like God calls you without relationships, grace groups and ministries, how we get relationships. Stop being a knickknack. Seriously. It's not how Jesus lived his life. It's not. You need to, you say, oh, people are, I struggle with people. That's because you need to grow up. That's why you need a grace group. All right. Is God calling you to warn the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient to all? Here's a third set of relationships we need to develop together as a church. Our relationships with God in the church. Our relationships with God in the church. How is your relationship with God in our church? And by the way, if you don't have a relationship with God, we think it's awesome you're worshiping with us. Because we want to be the type of place that you can come, not believe anything, and be accepted, question, get reasonable answers, explore faith at your own pace. So that's awesome. But for those people who say you want a relationship with God, how is that relationship? And what does it look like? Like people, when they actually walk with God, they look different. There's a different spirit, different attitude. And by the way, the relationship with God we have is the most important thing we have. Revelation 2, it's our first love. Matthew 22, the first and great commandment. Like, so this is the most important thing we do. So what do we do? We do three things in our relationship with God. You see those in verse 16, 17, 18. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. Well, that's a long verse. Everybody say nice and loud. All our locations, rejoice always. One, two, three. Rejoice always. You just memorized the Bible verse. I didn't, do you realize you're a Bible memorizer? How cool is that? This is the shortest verse in the Bible in Greek. The shorter verse in English is Jesus wept. This is shorter in Greek. It's so easy to understand. Rejoice always. What if I don't feel like rejoicing always? The command is to rejoice always. Just this week, I had a moment where 
Something happened. I was stupid. Something got lost. And I'm grieving. I'm depressed. I'm down. My spirit is low. And I'm supposed to rejoice when life stinks. And when life is good. So how do you do that? It's where you put your eyes. Where are your eyes? God says, eyes up here. (laughs) Put your eyes on him. What has not changed? What has not changed about you? Put your eyes on what you have, not what you don't have. We get miserable by putting our eyes on what we lost and what we don't have. Jealousy, envy, negativity. You put your eyes on what you do have. Goodness, God, I still have this. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. I've got you. Rejoice always. That's a different attitude. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. It means we talk to God. Without ceasing. We thank him. Without, driving down the road. God, that was funny. Thank, that was awesome. Do you see that? That's pretty funny. So ask God without ceasing. I know this is tiny, God. You, but could you please do this? Compliment him without ceasing. You're awesome. And it's not just constant chatter. You know, the teeth. It's not that. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. It is this. Open lines of communication. I can sit with my wife in silence. But the lines of communication can be very open. We're hooked in. Are you a person who prays and listens without ceasing? And then, as you do that, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Tim, I cannot thank God for everything. That's miserable. I'm not going to thank God for that. He's not saying thank God for that. He's saying thank God in that. So in that situation, which is miserable, find what you can thank God for and say thank you for this and thank you. Is this you? So I have a gift, by the way. One of my gifts, I'm glass half empty by nature. That's my gift. I look at a situation, I can see what's wrong like that. Like that. Boom. That's wrong. I got convicted years ago that I was living in sin with this, though. It's a gift, by the way, to see what's wrong because we help all you gullible people. But... That's true. But I was living in sin. I read Philippians 4 verse 8, which says, whether you're glass half empty or full, you need to live glass half full. I read Romans 8, 28. I, I, I read that. If I believe this is true, why am I so negative? Glass half empty people need to see the negative because God bless our positive friends. They need our help. And then we need to not live in sin with this negative, pessimistic attitude. Because what does it look like when it's not that way? This person rejoices always. Is that people say that about you? Do you rejoice? Oh, that person rejoices always. Dude, I want to be around them. And they pray without ceasing. And in everything they give thanks. That's compelling. It's a different spirit, different attitude. Number three, you can write this down. Number three. It's about this. Cultivating a winning attitude in our church. Are you a person who people want to be around? Because you cultivate a winning attitude, a Philippians 4, 8 attitude, a Romans 8, 28 attitude. Or are you like, oh, dude, when the people see you coming, I cannot take another leech-sucking, life-sucking moment with this person. I'm going to go away. God bless your heart. Some of you are like leeches and life. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this. Romans 8, 28 says this. Do you believe this? If it's true, 
then why do you live so negatively? Seriously, that is sin. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. We win. Only to two, two groups. If you love God and you're the called according to his purpose, if you've received Christ and you love God now, no matter how bad that thing is, it'll be turned around for good. Tell me why you're so negative. Tell me why you're so negative. Negative people are like people repellent. No wonder people won't be around you. I don't. I didn't want to be around me. It was sin. Are you a person who cultivates in your life with God this winning attitude in our church? Is this the point God's speaking to you about? All right. There's a four set of relationships. Our relationships with the Holy Spirit in our church. The Holy Spirit in our church. Remember, ministry rides on the rails of relationships. Well, I thought God is the Holy Spirit. Yes, God is this relational side with him, but the Holy Spirit is his work in this world. Are you watching for the Holy Spirit to work in our church? Not just in you, as a knickknack, but in community, looking at others. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, starts five things we do with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 says, do not quench the spirit. Okay, the spirit fires people up. And when someone starts to get fired up with the spirit, don't be a wet blanket. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I doubt that. You can't do that. God's not in that. Do not quench the spirit in others or even in yourself. God starts to move. Sin quenches the fire of the spirit. He says, do not despise prophecies. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Now, when this was originally written, there was no New Testament. This is the first book Paul ever wrote that became scripture. So what's going on? You have prophets standing up in churches saying, I believe God just, us says the Lord, God just said this. And in those days, they did not, not despise the prophecies coming out, not to be over skeptical, to go, yeah, God didn't say that. No way God's speaking through them. But today, we have the Bible. We call that preaching and messages and teaching. And it's not to minimize the power of the message. Well, you know, whether I go to the message or not, it's not a big deal. Or It's despising. Do you listen to messages with an expectancy that in spite of that imperfect person, I'm about to hear God at some point. In spite of them. Like, how cool is that? Do not despise prophecy. So don't be over negative, but also be, don't be gullible. He says, test all things. Don't be too gullible. First John 4, test everything that is spiritual. That's a spirit. Test it. Second Corinthians 13, test your own salvation from time to time. We are told to question our own salvation from time to time. Not whether we lost it, but did I ever have it in the first place? Did I ever, has it ever been real? And test partnerships. That's a huge one. Test all things. So if you get into a business partnership, you better do your due diligence and test all things. Ask lots of questions. When you interview for a job, it's not them interviewing you. You better interview them like crazy. It's a, it's a job marriage. And when you date, time is your friend, my friend. Get time on your side. You need long enough to see, is this Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde? Who am I dating here? Test all things and then hold fast what is good. When something has been tested and it's good, you got to fight for it. Hold for what is good. And then abstain from every form of evil. You see, sin kills things. Sin is self-destructive. What does sin kill? Sin dulls your mind. Sin hardens your heart. 
Sin disconnects you from God and quenches the Spirit. That's what sin does to you. It's very self-destructive. So that leads to this thought about the Holy Spirit. Number four, how do we live together with Jesus as a church? Number four, watching for the Spirit in our church. Are you watching for the Holy Spirit, not just solo, like a knick-knack, but in community with other believers? And so here's an example. Now, Jesus, this is a blade of grass. And Jesus compared the Holy Spirit to wind. Holy Spirit's just like wind. Wind is invisible. The Holy Spirit is invisible. Yet wind moves, and you can't see wind, but you can see the effect of wind. You can see the effect of the Holy Spirit, and you can hear wind when the hearing goes, wind goes right by your ears and makes noise. So let's demonstrate. This is a Christian knick-knack trying to discern the Holy Spirit. Does a knick-knack feel the Spirit? Absolutely. Certainly. But a knick-knack can't see where the Spirit's going. Because you sense the Spirit not on your own, but by seeing the wave in you and those around you. Here's a quick video, by the way, of this. Here's a wind through a field. This is a picture of a person in a grace group, person in ministry teams, and they're sensing the Spirit. You see the waves? And there's, there's certain fields. You can watch the entire direction, ripple effect going across. That's seeing the Holy Spirit in your grace group, seeing the Holy Spirit in your ministry team. Are you a person? Thanks, guys. Are you a person that that is you? You're in community, and the Spirit is speaking to you through the community also. You've got to be close enough in relationships to see the ripple effect, the move of the Spirit. Is that you? Is this the point God was bringing about quenching the Spirit, despising messages, testing all things, holding what is good, abstaining from evil? Here's my bottom line question. How are your relationships? Ministry rides on the rails of relationships, healthy, without, without the rails being healthy, the team goes nowhere, without relationships being healthy, everything is stopped, ministry rides, God moves on the rails of healthy relationships, is this the kind of life you're experiencing right now, and it's inconvenient, and it's hard, and God bless you, you need it to grow further. That's what you need. And some people, as my, as my grace group, the guy in our grace group said, you're just missing out. And it kills us who have it to see you missing out on God. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask that for those who have a grace group and have a ministry team, God, would you allow them, first of all, let them know that having difficulty on their ministry team and grace group is normal. They need it to be difficult so they can even live out some of these things and learn and, and they could grow spiritually. We've got to pray for those who are missing out, God. They are the Christian knickknacks of Grace Church. And we love them, but their growth is limited. And it kills us. Because they're missing out on what you're doing. And for those far from God, we are so, thank you for bringing them. Thank you for having to listen online. They do not have a relationship with Jesus. And we're so excited they're a part of this, exploring it. I pray this would be the moment that they would give their life to you. We pray this all, Jesus, in your name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.